Welcome to Real Testaments. The messages shared at Church of God Mission International, Church for Real. We trust God that through this message, your life will be transformed and you will receive grace to influence your world. God bless you. Praise the Lord. In this end time, one of the things God has done is to pour out His glory. And that glory is His knowledge. He has poured out His knowledge upon us. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost. The awareness of the Holy Ghost. We are more aware now than before. You know, the knowledge of God is so deep and so strong. The way the, the water has covered the sea, that is how God has poured out His knowledge upon us. Hallelujah. The truth of the matter is that so many things that you couldn't do before, you can do them now. Because there is an outpouring of the Holy Ghost in form of knowledge that has been revealed to us. Heavenly Father, we open our hearts, O oh God, to receive the knowledge that you have poured onto us. We are grateful. As your word comes this morning, Lord God, let there be transformation in our spirit. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. God is good. It's a good thing to be alive. And when you are alive, the only thing you should do that is paramount is to praise God. The Bible says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. So when you have breath, you praise the Lord. Okay. Praise the Lord all the time. Just thank God. You see, you are never disadvantaged at all. There is nothing on earth that can take you by storm or take you by surprise. God is always in charge of your life. Life is, if, is in phases. If it's money that is the issue, it will come and it will go. Bills will come and bills will go. If you remember those days when we were growing up, our parents didn't have everything. I'm not sure, you know, most of us here, our parents were the richest. Anytime you walked into your daddy's room or your mommy's room and you say, I need this, and they just say, take. You know, there will always be a time they will say, okay, hold on, we don't have it now. Who provide maybe school fees, maybe school books, maybe school uniform, maybe food, maybe pocket money. I recall there was a, a certain person I went to see one day. She was going back to school. She was in a university. She was going back to school, and uh, the mother got in and gave her the little money that she had, and she got into a little confrontation with the mother because the money obviously was not enough, and so she got out. And she was crying. She was crying. She just quarreled with the mother. She was crying. She had money was not going to be enough. But today, the lady is a graduate and has a wonderful family. That phase of her life is gone. Praise the Lord. Life is in phases, right? You might be living an info ocean now. A time will come when it will become a story. You say, once upon a time, I used to live in an worship, but now I am not living in Victoria Island or Banana Island, as the case may be. Whatever your heart desires are, it is God's pleasure to give you whatever you want. The Bible says that 
It is God's pleasure. God likes it to give you the mystery of the kingdom. So if God can give you kingdom, there is nothing else he cannot give to you. He also says that if I can sacrifice my son for you, there is nothing you ask me that I will not give to you. Scripture also says, if your son comes to you and says, I want fish, are you going to give him a snake or a scorpion? No, but you are going to give him fish or give him what he asks for. If we, according to that scripture, if the man who is carnal knows how to give quality gifts to their children, how much more your heavenly father. So I want to encourage you today. Maybe 2023 didn't go as planned, but I have good news for you. Because you have breath, because you can breathe and you can talk, there is hope. Hallelujah. Put your hand on your chest and say, there is hope for me. Yes, there is hope for you. Praise God. This morning, I want to preach on or teach on what I have titled, The Benefits of, the, of His Glory. Better still, the benefits of God's glory. That's what I want to talk about this morning. All right. So, it's just going to be continuation from where we stopped yesterday. As many of you that were around during the moment of encounter, so basically, we'll take it from there. The benefits of his glory. So, let's read Haggai chapter 2, and um, let's read from verse 1 to 9. The benefits, X of his glory. Haggai chapter 2. Multimedia, you can help me. You can give me message or you can give me TPT. Haggai chapter 2 verse 1 to 9. Okay, Haggai chapter 2. Let me read. I'm reading the message. It says, and on the, 20, on the 21st day of the seventh month, the word of the Lord came through the prophet Haggai. Tell governors Zerubbabel, son of Shetiel, and high priest Joshua, son of Jehozadak, and all the people, is there anyone who saw the, the, the temple the way it used to be? All glorious. What do you see now? Not much right. So, get to work, Zerubbabel, God is speaking. Get to work, Joshua, son of Jehozadak, high priest. Get to work, all you people, God is speaking. Yes, get to work, for I am with you. The God of the angel armies is speaking. Put into action the word I covenanted with you when you left Egypt. I am living and breathing among you right now. Don't be timid. Don't hold back. Verse 6. It is what the God of angel army said. Before you know it, I will shake up sky and earth, ocean and fields. And I will shake down all the godless nations. For they will bring bushels of wealth and I will fill the temple with splendor. God of the angel army says, I own the silver and I own the gold, declare God of the angel armies. This is a temple. It's going to end up far better than it started. A glorious beginning, but an even more glorious finish. 
a place in which I will hand out wholeness and, whole, and holiness. Decree of God of the angel. Okay, so give me, let me read 6 to 8 in KJV. 6 to 8 in King James Version. Give me 6 to 8 in KJV. The benefits of God's glory. That's what I'm teaching on this morning. The benefits of God's glory. But thus says the Lord God of hosts, yes again, it's a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. Give me seven. And I will shake all nations and the desire of all nations shall come and I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. Give me eight. The gold, the silver is mine, and the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. Give me nine. I will stop in nine. And the glory of this latter house, that's the popular one that we know. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than none of the former, says the Lord of hosts. And in this place will I give peace, says the Lord of hosts. Praise the Lord. Okay, now, you see, when you read the Old Testament, it is important that you understand the context, like I will always say. Understand the context, then try and understand the um, rema, you know, that the Holy Spirit impresses in your spirit. So when you read the Old Testament, read it from the context of the new creation. Because what happened in the Old Testament they were a shadow of things to happen in the New Testament. Now, when you have a wheel, the Testament is a wheel. When you have a wheel, right, the testator have the power to correct the wheel. Now, when the wheel has been corrected, the previous one is no longer valid. It is the new one that is now valid. For example, you have what we call Standard Operating Procedure, SOP, in working place. You have what we call policies. Policies are reviewed from time to time. Now, once you cannot tell me that a policy that was written in 1960 is still valid today. For example, where I work, there's a certain you know, policy that states that if you do an extended banking or extended type of work for a period of time, there is a portion of money that will be given to you. You know, there's the money, is quoted there. But you see, you cannot compare the amount put in there at that time with what the economy is saying now. So over time, what organizations do is to review policies and review the standard operating procedure. And once it is reviewed, they will put it there, reviewed or revised, signed by the relevant stakeholders and dated. So the previous one no longer, is no longer valid. Now, the truth of the matter is that the New Testament, when Jesus Christ came, he gave us a different type of working script. What you will call a manuscript. Manuscript. So what he gave to us was his own type of manuscript. So he gave us that manuscript, and it is that manuscript that we should work with. I always tell you, your life should be a reflection of Christ, not a reflection of the Old Testament nuances. 
So when you study the Old Testament, you don't study the Old Testament with the mindset that it was written at that time. You study it from the mindset of Christ. For example, in the Old Testament, the blessings are hinged on the obedience and the things that God wants you to do. That is, if you do this, you will get this. When God was telling them, you know, um, if you were talking to the children of Israel, he was telling them that, you know, they shall be the head and not the tail and all that in Deuteronomy, in Deuteronomy 28. At the end of the day, he now said, if, 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 now gave all the conditions in there. That's Old Testament pattern. But in the New Testament, the Bible says that you are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So it is not hinged on the on conditions. Instead, it is hinged on the fact that you are now a new creation. So what God did was to encapsulate everything that has to do with his marvelousness. He put all of them in Christ. And once you receive Christ, you receive everything. Hallelujah. Praise God. So when you understand this context, you are able to marry properly whatever you need to marry when you are studying the word of God. It's very, very key. Now listen to this. Two temples were naturally built in the Old Testament. The first temple was built by King Solomon. King Solomon lavished the temple with gold. You know, David wanted to build the temple, but God revealed himself and said through Nathan to tell him not to build the temple because his hands were full of blood. In a nutshell, God did not send him. That was not the purpose. The purpose of David was to bring back the glory of God back to the land of Israel, you know, by ensuring that the Israelites at that time were warriors. They were the, um, the people that, you know, consolidated their power in the whole of the Palestine and all those areas. So David fought a lot of wars, dealt with all his enemies. He was a warrior right from his youth. So when it was time, when he was old, he now said, okay, I want to build a temple. The ark, there is no place to put the ark. Remember, David severally wanted to bring the ark to Jerusalem. The first time he tried it, the first time he tried it, he was bringing the ark, and the, the ark shook, and the ark fell, and Uzzah wanted to help save the ark, God slew Uzzah, because the way they even carried the ark was even wrong. So they took the ark, and they took it to the house of Obedidom. But cut long story short, they got the bearing right second time and they brought the ark into Jerusalem. The ark is called the ark of covenant. That was what was representing the very presence of God. The ark of covenant. It was what was representing the very presence of God. So when they brought the ark, David came and said, "Ah, ah, this ark has to be somewhere because ideally the ark ought to be in the temple. The temple is where you go and meet God. The Old Testament pattern is that you meet God somewhere. And where you meet God is the temple, or he will tell you to go to a mountain, maybe Mount Horeb as the case may be. So there is always a meeting point for the presence of God. 
Now listen to this. So God told David, you cannot build a temple for me. Your hands are full of blood. The next king that will come after you will do that. So Solomon's mandate or purpose was to build a temple for God. And so God said, in his days, I will give peace. There will be no war. And actually, when Solomon came, he had so much peace, and he used that peace to build a temple. Solomon settled down and built a temple. Before David died, he stuck up a lot of gold and precious stones and everything for Solomon to use. Solomon had no problem with wealth. At that time, Solomon became the richest man living on the earth. By the time they estimated Solomon's wealth, running into billions of dollars. So Solomon became rich, very rich, and he built this beautiful temple. Once he built the temple, if you read the book of Second Chronicles, right? If you read Second Chronicles, okay, I, didn't, I didn't put it down here. I think Second Chronicles chapter 7, thereabout, you will see how, you know, when Solomon was dedicating the temple, you know, the glory of the Lord came down, and when the glory of God came down, and, you know, it was powerful. The temple was beautiful, one of the most, you know, um, the best architectural masterpiece Israel had. What happened? Let me give you some facts about the temple that I dug up. The first temple, also known as the Temple of Solomon, was built by King Solomon, the son of David. The temple was built, according to history, in 1000 B.C., the major characteristics of the temple was that it was built with gold. If you, read, if you read that in the Old Testament, everything is laid out there. The temple was later destroyed by King Nebuchadnezzar when he invaded Jerusalem and captured everybody and took them to Babylon. So he destroyed the temple. And the year was 586 B.C. So the temple lasted for around 400 years thereabouts, right? You know, so King Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple. Now, one of the major characteristics of the temple is that it had the Ark of Covenant. Inside the temple, the Ark of Covenant was placed in there. In short, when the Bible was describing the temple, the two cherubs, the way that they describe it is so lovely, representing the presence of God. God actually gave the specification on how those things will be done. So that's, the, that's what happened. So the first temple, the, that temple was destroyed. It was destroyed. And the children of Israel were moved to exile. So, when the children of Israel were in exile, part of the things that they kept talking about was the temple. They didn't have a place to worship. It was a big problem. So, until a set of guys now came together to say they wanted to build a temple. So, they were returning out of exile. And what happened? Through Zerubbabel, their governor, and Joshua, their high priest, you know, they decided to build the second temple. The second temple was done in a hurry. It wasn't as beautiful as the first temple. So what are the major characteristics of the first temple? The first temple was built by a set of Jews led by Zerubbabel and the high priest Joshua. That's why God gave that word to Zerubbabel. Now, the temple was built around 51 CBC. More like 100 years before, I mean, after 
Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the first temple. Follow me carefully. I'm taking you somewhere. The temple was destroyed later by the Roman Empire under the leadership of Titus, who was a Roman soldier. It was destroyed about 40 years after Jesus was crucified, when the Jews rebelled against, um, against the Romans. But it was later immediately rebuilt by King Herod. King Herod rebuilt it. But what are the major characteristics of the temple? The temple wasn't as classic and beautiful as the first one. One of the major significance is one, the Ark of Covenant was not inside. When the first temple was built, one of the major significance was that the Ark of Covenant was put in there. So when Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the first temple, according to history, you can read it, according to history, some school of thought believe that Nebuchadnezzar destroyed the temple while he was destroyed, destroyed the ark when he was destroying the temple. Why some other school of thought believe that the Levites, they took the ark and went to hid it. Up to today, they are still looking for the ark. Some school of thought believe also that the ark is in Ethiopia. That it was stolen and taken to Ethiopia. There is a temple in Ethiopia where the ark has been kept. But here is the point. The second temple didn't have lodged the ark. But however, God showed up and God told them and said, which of you saw this temple in its former glory? He was referring to the temple that Solomon built. So he was indirectly telling them that this temple that you see now, you cannot equate it with the one that was built before by Solomon. There are no mates in terms of comparison. But however... The glory of this later house, this temple that you are seeing, later means now, shall be greater than that of the other one. Now, you see, when God, God literally came down, I think we should read it. Uh, give me first, is it first or second? But we'll, we'll trace it. Second Chronicles. Give me Second Chronicles chapter 7. Second Chronicles chapter 7. Yes, 2 Chronicles chapter 7. Let's read. Let me show you. Great. Now, when Solomon had made an end of the prayer, the fire came down from heaven. Did you see that? That's what I want to show you. This was Solomon dedicating the temple. Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the house. Makapasi. It was strong. God literally came down. To say, I honor you. My glory is the validation of what you have done. The temple was beautiful, but the glory of God was strong. But God said, despite this glory, eh, the glory that I'm bringing in this second one is greater. Praise the Lord. So you can equate it, equate it to Adam being the first glory. I mean, the first temple, and Jesus coming to give us the second temple, which the glory is greater than the first one. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. So, whether the ark is in there or not, 
God is, God is saying, my glory will be greater than the former one. So it's not about the aesthetics. It's not about how beautiful the building is. A lot of us have issues. And so we struggle with life and all of that. God is saying, that is not the point. The point is that my glory that you carry now is more important than how beautiful your own temple will be as it were. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Now, let's go deeper. Let's talk about the, the significance or importance of the glory or the benefits, more like the benefits of the glory. Now, when the Bible talks about glory, in, in, in Hebrew, the word glory is translated in Hebrew as kabod, kabod. You see, when, when, when you hear the word ikabod, Ikabo means the glory has departed. So what happened is that when the ark, for example, was captured, when they were fighting, when the Philistines captured the ark, and they came and they told um, the priests that the ark has been captured, the priest fell down and broke his neck because that was a disaster. And his daughter-in-law was about to give birth, and he gave birth, and they named the child meaning God's glory have left. So Israel was in a big trouble. They lost the war and problem came because the glory departed. So the word glory means kabod in, in, in Hebrew. And kabod, if you are writing, take down these notes. Now, this is very deep. Kabod means the very presence of God. What you call the manifested presence of God. The manifested presence of God. Kabod also means the nature of God. So when God says, I am coming and I will fill this temple with glory, it means I am coming with my very presence and my nature. Kabod means the honor of God. It means I am coming with my magnificence. I am coming with my glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. So in the New Testament, you hear the word glory, you re, they refer it as dosa, dosa. Praise God. So God is saying that there are benefits that comes with my glory. When I show up with my glory, there are benefits. Number one benefit is that I come with my presence. God comes with his manifest presence. So when the Bible was saying that which of you saw this glory, this temple in its former glory, however, the glory of the latter house shall be greater than the former. It has said the gold is mine, the silver is mine. The second thing that the glory attracts is the blessings. When God comes in his manifested presence, what he brings are his blessings. He comes with his blessings. Hallelujah. He comes with his blessings. So, you are not supposed to lack blessings because you are the, the, you are the creature that carries the manifest presence of God. You carry the manifest presence of God. Very important. Praise the Lord. Now, let's read 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. Let me show you something in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 21. It's good you understand it. You see, the truth is that don't stop looking at yourself like an ordinary person. You are now the temple of God. You are no longer the one that goes to look for God. You are now the one carrying the manifest presence of God. Recall, when Jesus Christ died on the cross, one of the fundamental things that happened, number one of them in no particular order, was that the veil dividing the Holy of Holies from the outer court gave way. Very thick veil. I think when I was doing my teaching on, um, on uh, Beyond the Veil, I gave the specification of that veil. You can go on the internet to look for that message. Very thick veil. That veil got torn from the top down. It got torn. And so everybody could see inside what was inside the Holy of Holies. Nobody could see it before. Only one man, the, the, the high priest, could see it or the chief priest could see inside the Holy of Holies. So when Jesus Christ died, one of the things that happened was that the veil was torn into two, which means that everybody now have access to God. So not only that, the implication of that is that the temple is now no longer the dwelling place of God. The temple is no longer the dwelling place of God. So when Jesus Christ rose from the grave, one of the things he told them, he said, Lo, I am with you always. So God left the temple and instead of being in the temple and glorying in the temple and bugying in the temple, he now entered inside of us. Now he is glorying inside of us. We are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. And we are the one reflecting the very nature, cabal of God. Somebody with me this morning. So, you have every right to buga. Because you carry the glory. And the glory attracts what? The blessing. Well, the Bible says, lift up your heads, O ye gates, be ye lifted up, that the king of what? The king of glory shall what? Come in. He's the king of glory. So what the glory does, the glory what? Open doors. The, open, the, the glory open doors. It opened doors. It is awareness. That is why we sang that song. And I'm going to read the scripture, Isaiah chapter 2, verse 2. You carry the glory. And so because you carry the glory, you naturally open doors. The blessings are attracted to you. People see you and they love you. They want to bless you. That's what the glory does. The glory attracts the blessing. Listen to me, child of God. You don't need to fast and pray for three days attracting God's divine favor. The blessing is already attracted to you because of the glory that you carry. It's no longer a cabal. It is not cabled. Leave it in the inside of you. Now, the Bible talked about the word Emmanuel. Emmanuel means God with us. God with us. But there is a God in us. 
there is a God in us. So the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the glory of the former house. Because the glory of the former house, though had everything loaded, now the present glory is stronger and greater. Praise the Lord. Yeah, Isaiah 3, I mean Ephesians 3.21. Unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Listen. Jesus is the fullness of God. The Bible says that Jesus is the, is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So, we in Christ, we have inherited the fullness of the Godhead. So, Jesus is the express image of the glory of God. So, the Bible says, if anyone be in Christ. So, we are in Christ. We are in the anointed one. Therefore, we are the expression of the image of God because of the Jesus that we carry. So a major benefit of the, of, the, of the glory is that the glory represents Jesus. The glory represents Jesus. And so you are the one carrying Jesus everywhere. You are the one carrying Jesus everywhere. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Say with me, I carry the presence of God because the glory of God lives in me. Say, I carry the presence of God because the glory of God lives in me. Therefore, all blessings are attracted to me. Praise God. There's what we call awareness. Awareness is when you know. Awareness is when you know. When you know, you suddenly kick into motion the right to exercise. Awareness helps you to kick into motion the right to exercise. For example, there was a lion that was reared among pigs and amongst goats. Very small lion, small cub. And so he, he had never seen his colleagues or mates or cousins before. But one day he ran into the forest and there was another lion that came and roared, and all the animals ran away. When he saw this beast, the same lion ran away. He didn't know that he was running away from his brother. Then one day, he was in the stream trying to drink water. And reflection, he saw the same image of what he saw that day, that beast was what he was seeing inside the water. He ran fast, thinking that the same, you know, beast was behind him. When he looked back, there was nobody pursuing him. He went back to the water and looked again. He found out that actually he looked like that guy, the, the, his, <laughs> the, the, the lion he saw that was a beast. Then, they were in the wood again. That beast, the lion came and raw while the goats and pigs ran away. This guy, this time, became aware that I'm, I'm a lion like him. He rowed too, and the two started roaring together. And the next thing, that one that he was calling beast went into the wood and he was looking as that 
older lion ran into the bush in the wood, looked back and winged at him. Are you not coming? Do you want to stay with the goats and pigs in this clubhouse? That one shook his head and said, I'm coming along with you. They entered the wood together and they began to eat antelope and kill big pigs and eating wild animals. Awareness. Awareness. Awareness gives you power. Awareness makes you to be on top. The Bible says that when you are a king and you are still a baby, you will be tossed here and there in the house. Nobody will give you attention. But when you become mature, one of the rights a king has is to make decree. It's to decree things and they will come to pass. Awareness. You carry the cabal of God, the glory of God. You carry the cabal of God. You carry the cabal of God, therefore you attract the blessings. Favor follow you. You don't need to rub oil and pour oil upon your head and say, how can you, how backers, I don't understand it. How can you carry oil and you say this is God's favor? So it is when you drink the oil or you pour it on your head, that is when you believe that favor has come. No, that is wrong. That is wrong. Your favor is not tied to oil. It's not tied to water. It's not tied to suit. It's not tied to cars. No. You are not blessed because you drive a car. You are blessed, therefore the car will come. There are two different things. <laughs> that is why when they put you inside the desert, because of the glory, the cabal that you carry, the desert water will start springing forth in the desert. Because you will make things happen. That is why no matter how they try to kill you, they take your property, they take things away from you, it's just a matter of time they will come back. Because you see, the cabal that you carry attracts the blessings. Not the blessing coming. See, see, the blessings are just a proof that there is a cabal living inside of you. That's what I want to set your mind to. Let's not give glory to inanimate things. The glory is already residence in you. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. So you carry the glory of God. So when the Bible says, lift up your hands, O ye gates. Be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, that the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? Now listen to me, child of God. Every situation that is not working, anything that is not clicking, you have the right, the power to command it to click because you are a representative of the king of glory. You carry the cabal of God. So everywhere that you go, doors open. If Satan could open the door for the king of glory and Jesus Christ stepped in and said, give me the keys and he gave him the keys. Jesus Christ has the keys of life and death. And Jesus Christ came out after the third day. And you say, take. Bible says, nay, in all things you are more than conqueror. It's awareness. It's awareness. So why are you living a life that is like a pauper? You are running helter-skelter. You don't know what you have. Awareness. Tell your neighbor, say Awareness. Are you aware of the power of God inside of you? 
As I close home to this morning, let's look at Isaiah chapter 2. Another thing that the glory commands is knowledge. The glory commands knowledge. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2, let's read that place. Powerful scripture. It said, the earth shall be filled with the glory of the knowledge of God as the water covers the sea. Praise the Lord. Yes, this is what I want to read. Um, the other one is in Haggai. Sorry. Let's read Habakkuk 2.14 first. Where I just quoted is Habakkuk 2.14. Let's read Habakkuk 2.14. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 14. Hallelujah. It is no longer Ichabod. It is Kabod living inside of you. The glory of God. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of, of the Lord as the waters does what? Cover the sea. So this is what is going to happen. The knowledge of the glory of the Lord. Now, the glory is the presence of God. The manifest presence of God. So when God shows up, you show up. Hallelujah. It was this glory that Paul carried. He was so aware of this glory that on his way to Rome, according to history, history has it that you know, Paul took the gospel to Rome. On his way to Rome, and why was, why was he going to Rome? He wanted to go and replicate Kabul in Rome. He is a carrier of God's glory. You are a carrier of God's glory. There's nowhere you go that the glory will be shrinked. Or will be covered. No, the glory cannot be covered. Have you ever seen where you cover fire? You know, I was uh, having riddle time with my kids. And uh, we sat down and we were throwing each other riddles. But guess what? I was, you know, my riddles were high class. I was throwing it to them. So I gave them one riddle. I said, tell me, tell me what consumes everything that you give to it. It doesn't spare. And they were coming and trying to break it down, and they could not. At the end of the day, the answer. What's the answer? Fire. Correct. Fire consumes everything that you give to it. The Bible says that Jesus is a consuming fire, or God is a consuming fire. You carry fire. You carry fire. Fire does not need to say, I am fire, and begin to always tell you, I'm on fire. No, you, you put your hands inside the fire. If you put your hands inside the fire, what will happen? You go upon you. It's a normal thing. How can you say that you want to stop a moving train? You see a moving train or a moving machine, and you go and stand in front. You will die. You say, I don't, I don't need to go on my knees and begin to pray for people to die who are after me. I don't have time for that. You enter now. You touch me now. Do you understand what I'm saying? Our business is not to look for enemies to kill. I repeat. Our business is not to look for enemies to kill. Our business is to seek first the kingdom. <laughs> and... It's righteousness. Every other thing shall be added. If you are about God's business, eh? And somebody wants to go and touch fire, if person go burn, fire go burn out. That's how it works. 
It's an awareness. In short, when Jesus Christ was talking about enemy things, he said, love them. If you are aware of them, love them. You have a duty to love them. But however, king of glory stepped out and said, give me the keys, and the keys were given. So you have the key. For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the water covers the sea. Both the epignosis of God and the gnosis of God has been released to us. The epignosis, the knowledge that comes as a result of the revelation of God. Gnosis, the knowledge that, the natural knowledge that comes. The whole earth is filled with the glory of the Lord. Knowledge everywhere. So if there is knowledge everywhere, why are you lacking knowledge? No, you shouldn't lack knowledge. But the revelational knowledge of, of God and the physical knowledge has been poured out for you to understand. You see, one of the guys that I like to listen to, Dr. Miles Monroe, he said when he was in school, he, his grades were poor. was poor and he, he was really having a bad time. And he, what changed his life is that he took the Bible and started reading and he saw in the scripture where he says unto him that he's able to do exceeding abundantly above what you ask or even imagine according to the power that works in you. He said his life changed. And he saw the scripture that said, I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. His life changed. He started studying hard and the next thing, his grades picked up and he became the brightest in the class. Listen, you are not dull. You are intelligent. The most intelligent people on earth are people who are looking at me now. You have epignosis. You have gnosis. You have kabul. You have the nature of God that has spread forth the knowledge of God inside of you. Listen, if you are having issues understanding things, it's an aberration. It's an aberration. Hallelujah. One day, there was something I was struggling with. I, I, I knew I could do it, but I didn't have time and I was struggling with it. I just prayed, I said, Holy Spirit, can you lead me on how to get this thing done? And in no time, the knowledge came. You need to utilize the knowledge of the Holy Ghost that you have right now. If you are in a workplace and things are rough, the Holy Spirit will guide you through it. In those days, when I was driving the first car as National Executive Officer of CFI, so I got into this mechanic shop. There was this, he had, the mechanic shop had electrical area, and there was this young man who was very friendly, very amiable guy, but he wasn't having a good time with the master. And he told me something few days or few months later, as I know, knew him and we started interacting, he told me something. He said, now, now that things have improved between him and his master. I said, what happened? He was not just gisting me. He said that he didn't know the job. And the master was not patient with him. Because there were a lot of people in the shop who could do the job, the master was focusing more on those people than him. And so he was lagging behind. When customers comes, they don't send him to touch a customer's car because he doesn't know it. 
He said now that his life is better because he knows the job. Knowledge is always the distinguishing factor. It's always the distinguishing factor. It's the truth. When there is a knowledge gap, when there is a knowledge gap, it will always show. It will always show. In anything you do, you are a reflection of what you, what you know. You are a reflection of what you know. Knowledge stands you out. And there is no reason why you should be lagging behind in knowledge because Kabor has been released to you. Praise the Lord. Kabor has been released to you. I once went for an interview one time, long time ago, because I understood this truth. You see, the Holy Spirit inside of you is not only to speak in tongues in church. I repeat, the Holy Spirit inside of you is not only to speak in tongues in church, it's to distinguish you, especially the works of your hand. The works of your hand. There's a message I'm trying to put together. The Bible says, show me a man diligent in his business. This man shall stand before kings and he shall not stand before me men. The Bible says, whatever thy hand findeth to do, do it with the whole of thy heart, with all of thy soul. For example, some of you, your work is, is there is problem. You cannot deliver well on your work. You think God is happy with you? When your name is mentioned, say, no, 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 no bring him here. He's, he's, not, he's not a good uh, workman. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. He said, a workman that do not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the works of truth. If, for example, now listen, let me be honest with you. I don't know, I'm, I hope I'm not dividing. Holy Spirit, help me. I'm your pastor. To be honest with you, I know all my members with all due respect. I've been here now, pastor, for three years on the dot. If, for example, I have a work to do, there's a work to do. I need a sharp TAT turnaround time. I need it deliver. Ask yourself, will Pastor Richard called me? You saw somebody told me something one day in my place of work. Is it me? No, the person was talking. He said, the fact, the person was talking. He said, the fact that your bosses, your supervisors are not calling you to do work is an indication that they don't trust you that you can do the job. If you are in a team, maybe a team of five, they are always calling one, two persons. Take, do this, Isaac, do this, do this. And Isaac, oh, this work is killing me. The other three are just lounging. They will come to work. They will gist and be lounging. My brother, their job is in danger. By the time they will send mail and say, please donate people that should be sacked, it's those three first that will just, they will just donate them. You think a supervisor will want to donate somebody that is helping him to deliver? If Holy Spirit appears, let's say this night now, God appeared to me and said, Richard, I give, give me five members in church for you that I should bless. Now, now, now. Ask yourself, do you think pastor will call my name? In other words, what value are you adding to me as your pastor, for example? What value are you adding to church? Hope I'm not deviating. Oh, no. I don't know. I, just, I don't just want to deviate. But what I'm trying saying is this. Knowledge eh, makes you to stand out.
There was a day I needed to crack a scripture. I really needed to crack the scripture. I wasn't having a headway. I went online and I didn't, I wasn't have, I needed more insights. So I remembered a pastor in Benin who have done a teaching on what I was trying to crack. I said, I remember this guy did a teaching on it. Immediately, I had his number. Immediately, I called him up. He's not even in CGM. I called him up. I said, guy, I remember you. I, I explained the thing to him. He now said, oh, that's true. He now gave me a link. Immediately, he forwarded a link to me where I can watch the message where he preached on it. And immediately, I went to the link and I watched it. And I could crack what I was looking for. Why did my mind go to him? Because I knew that he was very good in cracking such doctrinal matters. Now, ask yourself, for example, knowledge has been released everywhere. If knowledge has been released everywhere, what area of expertise are you good at? Do you have? What area have you colonized? You have held this so close to your chest that you are now an authority in that area based on the knowledge that you have. I'm not saying this to make you feel bad. I'm saying this for you to rethink about your life. What area have you picked up? What area can you say, this place, leave on. I'll be master. When they moved me from the branch and they moved me to my new responsibility, I told myself that I am going to stand out. It was a deliberate thing. I was going to stand out. And by the time they were, we were introducing ourselves, this was the first time we were introducing ourselves, a big hall. I stood up and I said, my name is this. And I have knowledge in this area. Not only that, I like to teach. I was laying down the marker. Everybody that had issues around that knowledge area, they were all coming to me. And I was not failing. If I don't know it, I'll go and look for it. Because I didn't want to fall anybody's hand. Knowledge is very key. It will distinguish you. It will separate you. By the time they are having a meeting, and they are saying, who should we pick to handle this area? There is a, let me tell you something. There is a certain place relationship can take you to. But knowledge will take you far. Knowledge will take you far. See, eh, somebody will say, this person, I like him. He's my guy. I, you know, I like him around me. But there is a level of trust he can give to you if you don't have knowledge to do the job. You don't have knowledge to do the job. There's a certain president in this country. People said he had a corrupt mind. But one thing he could do very well was to fish out real intelligent people and put them in places where they can deliver. I won't mention his name. Ask yourself, what area am I good at? What kind of knowledge do I have? It's the knowledge that you have that will give you reputation. That is the reputation that you have. Reputation is what you are known for. What are you known for? If tomorrow now, all of a sudden, somebody calls me from the UK and says, please, do you know a keyboardist that is very good? He can play keyboard. One will be paying him 1,000 pounds every week. Will Sam come to my mind, for example? 
I'm just asking a question. Sam, I don't, I'm trying to put you on the spot. Will Sam come to my mind? Or I will say, okay, I think Kingsley plays better. Or somebody calls me and says, there's a big program coming up. We need a, somebody that can play the drum. Scatter the drum. Say, we'll buy a new one. Will Lego come to my mind? The first thing I will first place myself is that Lego self. Okay? Because you see, by the time I recommend you, I'm also putting my name on the line. Ask yourself, do you think Pastor Richard can recommend you? You, you, you. Can I recommend you? When some of you are still struggling with integrity issues, you are still struggling with reputational issues, you are still struggling with attitude, you are also still struggling with knowledge. When I call you and I ask you a question, and the next thing you are telling me you get, this is your work, oh, your work, you will get back to me. Three days you have not gotten back until Pastor that call you. Ah, Pastor, okay, I'll get back to you. Five weeks you have not gotten back. Then when God now appeared to me and said, please give me a name by what we call Toma, top of mind awareness. Will I call your name? I don't think so. Except God says I should do otherwise. Let's stand up on our feet. Knowledge is very important. Knowledge is very important. Let me tell you, in my place of work, there was a time we wanted to recruit a, um, somebody to do animation for us. You know, wanted to employ an animation. So I, I you, see, you see, it is a person you know that you will call. Immediately, I rang my, one of my guy up. I said, come, do you have a show reel? There was no show real. Wanted to recruit guys that would do animation. Do you have something I can show my guys? Nothing. And so this guy was trying to put something together for days. That's also preparation. Preparation is also very key. If you say you are a photographer now, for example, what do you have a do you have something to show of the jobs that you have done? Imagine they call you, oh, there's this big job, how far? And the next thing, two weeks, you, are, you have not put your works together. That's, you are not serious now. You are not serious. You are not serious. You are not serious. Hope I'm not doing below the belt. And I'm not sniping. But I'm just telling you, this is the point. I'm just telling you that knowledge has been released. You have no, you have no reason to give excuses. Excuses don't put money in the pocket. They will only take money away. The Bible says that thou are inexcusable, O man. The time has come for us to take responsibility for our lives. Stop blaming people for the level that you are. It is your fault. Take responsibility for it. Take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your life. You don't know enough. You cannot do enough. When you cannot do enough, you don't know enough. Take responsibility for your life. Now let's go to Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2 and I will round off from there. That's my last scripture. Isaiah chapter 2 verse 2. Hallelujah. Tell your neighbor, say I have epignosis. I have gnosis. I have cabod. That's the glory of God in me. Hallelujah. Oh God, I'm loaded. I am loaded. You know, there was a young man who, who read this scripture. 
there was a young man who sent his CV somewhere and uh, immediately he sent the CV. This young man sent the CV somewhere and he didn't know that the interview was going to be immediately. So the person, the young guy who received his, in, uh, his CV rang him up immediately. <laughs> he was not prepared. We just closed from work. He was in my car and we were driving. And the next day his phone rang and he picked up the phone and the, uh, the man said, Oh, I just received your CV now. Big job. I just received your CV now. The guy said, yes. Okay, great. great. He said, give me your elevator speech. Uh, your elevator, elevator pitch. More like, tell me about yourself and, you know, just kill me in, in five minutes. The guy said, hey, sir, what are you talking about, sir? He did not understand what he was talking about. And the next thing, he said, let me call you back. Let me call you back. He switched off the phone. That was how he lost the opportunity. God, the opportunity God. Knowledge, the Bible says, knowledge, wisdom, and knowledge will what be the stability of thy time. It is what you know that distinguishes you. Now, listen to this. And it shall come to pass in the last days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established in the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills and above all nations, and all nations shall flow unto you, unto it. It's talking about you. This is the end time. It's talking about you. It's talking about you here. Praise the Lord. Lift up your hands this morning. The glory of the Lord is what you carry. You carry the blessings as well. The glory attracts the blessings. You are Jesus. That awareness must be inside of you. Everywhere Jesus Christ went, he was doing good because he had the capacity to, go, to, to, to do good. Everywhere he went, he was doing good. He had the capacity to do good. Jesus was not Jesus in, in Samaria and he was another person in Judea. No. You know, some of you in your office place, you, are, you, have, a, you have an attitude. When you come to church, you change that attitude. You are pretending. I don't understand it. In your place of work, you have knowledge. But when you come to church, there is no knowledge. Or you are in church, you have knowledge. In your place of work, you know, there is no knowledge. You are like a chameleon. No. You carry the glory of God. The glory does not go on, on recess. There is no break. When you sleep, the glory is there. When you wake up, the glory is there. When you are in the toilet, the glory is there. When you are in the bathroom, the glory is there. If you are a woman, you are giving birth, the glory is also there. The glory does not go on holiday. You cannot come to church by 8 o'clock and the glory is there and you're still there by 11 and you go to work on Monday by 8 o'clock and the glory is no more there. No, you are a carrier of God's glory. Kabul is what you carry every time. And that Kabul gives you knowledge. You can spread forth. Lord, we bless your name for your word today. Thank you because we are carriers of God's glory, of your glory. Everywhere we go, we express that glory. We are aware of the glory and we will express that glory in the name of Jesus. If you are here today, you've not given your life to Christ. I want to give you an opportunity. God was giving me a message during the week, on the weekend. He said, Jesus is coming back again. Jesus Christ is coming back again. And if you are not born again, if you are not part of that family, it's going to be a disaster. 
It's better that you give your life to Christ now so that you will join the family of God to rejoice. If you're here, you're not born again, just repeat these words after me. I rededicate my life to you. Lord Jesus, I present my life to you as a living testimony of what you are going to do going forward. I understand that Jesus Christ is Lord and I obey in my heart everything that he is going to say and do to me. Jesus, you are Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Give Jesus Christ a big, big hand. It's no longer Ikabo. It's no longer Ikabo. It is Kabo. Hallelujah. The glory lives in me. You are dear the glory. The glory of God looks good on you. The glory has left the temple. Okay, Mute. The glory has left the temple. Where is the glory now? The glory is in there. Therefore, the blessings. So when you enter, the doors open. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. The doors open. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm a blessed man. This message was brought to you by Church of God Mission International. Church for Real. For more information, log on to our website at www.churchforreal.org. Church for Real. Influence your world.